Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. Today we're going to be talking about being a mother and living with purpose and how those two things go together. Currently, two of our girls, Bonnie, who's 31, and Mary the Runt, I like to call her, 24, are sheltering in place with us since they can't go into work. Um, they get breakfast in bed often here. It's fun having them home, except I keep thinking I must still be on Christmas vacation, and so I'm not being particularly productive. I love the meme that's going around that says something like, every day is Saturday, or is it Thursday? If you didn't already feel like life was out of control because you have small children, so much is out of our control during this weird time of isolation and sheltering at home. I just talked to a friend in North Carolina who said that if you go anywhere that is not essential, you get a $1,000 fine and three months in jail. That's really out of control. I'm praying about how to make good use of this time with my girls while they are here. It's kind of magical that they are. I mean, once they're gone, as some of you know, with empty nest, they're really gone and they only come for holidays. So the fact that they're here this long is uh, truly a silver lining of this horrible time. Um, it looks a little different, perhaps than your home because my kids are older. And maybe you are wishing for a couple hours in a spa far, far away. <laughs> ah, my sister-in-law told me this great advice. When your kids are little, talk to them about God. And when they are big, talk to God about them. Hmm. I'm sure you talk to God about them as well. Uh, that's something that never ends. But I did think that was such great counsel. I'll repeat it. When your kids are little, talk to them about God. And when they're big, talk to God about them. I think what this person was assuming was that when we talk to our kids when they're older about God too much, when they have not asked us, it drives them away from God rather than closer to God. My mother was famous for her statement, would you like some um, unasked for motherly advice? And we got tired of it. And we would say no, and then she would go ahead and give it to us anyway. And sometimes it was really good advice, and we just didn't want to hear it because she was our mother. There's that always that angst. Our two oldest are home with us, and they really don't let me out of their sight. Thankfully, they sleep in so I can sneak off to the seniors line at Trader Joe's or Target. Uh, it's rather endearing, except when it's annoying. I remember a time I did let Bonnie Sue out of my sight. Uh... She was 17 months old, and the reason I remember that is because it was the weekend that we moved into our current home, and I was so excited because our house would have uh, had a yard where she could play while I was making dinner, and so I was making dinner uh, that evening, and I was thanking the Lord, and I had a big smile on my face, and I kept looking outside, and I could see her playing, and then, uh, and earlier in the day, we'd had some friends come through to view the house and ooh and ah and everything. But after a while, I realized when I looked up, she wasn't, I couldn't see her anymore. And I thought, oh, well, she's just out of my line of sight. 
And then the next time I thought, I, I still haven't seen her. So I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little slow on the uptake. And I went to the door and she was not in the yard. And then I looked to my left and the gate had been left open by the, the kids who had come through to see the house. And I went, as you can imagine, running as fast as I could, which was not particularly fast, especially when you're panicking, you seem to move a lot slower. And so I ran up the, up down the street and I realized that I couldn't see her. She was not in my line of sight. So I thought, well, I'm not going to run clear to the end. Maybe she's the other direction and the other direction is where there's a busy street. So I turned around and um, my legs felt like lead and I was just felt like slow motion. And then I was past my house again. And then I saw this woman. Of course, I didn't know her because I didn't know my neighbors yet. And she was holding Bonnie Sue in her arms. And she said, does she belong to you? Obviously, I looked like a panicked uh, mother. And I said, yes, thank you so much. And she said, oh, well, um, she was in the middle of the street. She was collecting the neighbor's newspapers. And sure enough, she had newspapers in her arms. And I thought, oh, great, Bonnie, you're going to be a queen someday. And always, um, she is our family administrator, so it was kind of funny that she was doing that. But it was not funny at all. You know that. And I just thought, oh, my goodness. So this wonderful woman, I took her cookies later, um, saved my kid's life. And I thought, wow, I only have one child, and I can't even keep track of one child. I mean, what kind of a person am I, and what kind of a mother am I? I'm not a very good mother. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I was telling, I was rehearsing this, uh, telling the story again to my kids while they were here. And I said, you know, for each one of you girls, there, there was a very close call, a physical close call where you could have died. And I haven't forgotten those times. I don't live in terror of them anymore. They were what if situations, but I'm very aware of God's protection in their lives. There is no harder job than being a mother. I guess that's the main point of today's uh, podcast. I used to think it, the hardest job was to teach ninth grade remedial readers. When I was doing my student teaching, I was a failure at that too. But then I became a mother and I found out that this was the hardest job and the most rewarding job. You may not feel like it's very rewarding in the day-to-day -day activities, Charles Swindoll said one time, the trouble with life is that it's so daily, and I would agree. God reminds us that the things we do for eternity are what matter. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4.18, the things that are seen won't last forever. The things that aren't seen will. What does he mean by that? I think he means that what we build into eternity has to do with things we don't see, like love and fellowship and his word and people. When I asked my mentor, Lori Potratz, what should, should I do this? And she goes, well, it has to do with two things that last for eternity, people and the word. I go, okay. So she's always reminding me of what lasts forever. The things that are seen won't last. The things that aren't seen will last. What does he mean? We constantly evaluate our days by production. Like, what did I do today? Is the automatic question. It's particularly hard right now during the coronavirus. I feel uh, a lot of inertia where I think, well, let's see, I waxed my mustache today and I cleaned one counter. 
So done. That's all I did. And I don't particularly like it if Mark would say, well, what'd you do today? I will say, well, not a lot. It makes me feel less than. So I want to kind of enumerate all the things I did do that were important. Ah, when I worked part-time, Mark would often ask me, very innocently, he wasn't trying to be mean, but he would say, did you work today? Now for him, that was a question of information. He wanted the information, did I go outside the home and earn a paycheck? But that would irritate me because when I am at home not getting a paycheck, I work even harder. And you know that's the truth. But he would say very nicely, did you work today? And that would irritate me. And if I were in a bad mood or I was extra tired, I would react and I would say, I work every day. I just don't get paid for it every day. In fact, I could use a raise. I've been meaning to talk to you about that, Dr. Donaldson. When we ask ourselves, what did I do today? Uh, we are really asking these questions, perhaps. Is my life worthwhile? Do I have value? Remember the question, what did I do today? Was it really worth it to get out of bed this morning? Did anyone notice me today? Does anyone really care? That's perhaps the deeper question. These are worthy questions and often we answer them in terms of what we did not accomplish. I didn't do very much at all, I might say to Mark. I was busy all day, but there's not much to show for it. We measure ourselves by what we didn't do. I didn't finish my to-do list, you think. I didn't do uh, the gardening. I didn't do the laundry. I didn't call my mother. I didn't clean the garage and I was going to. I didn't make a good dinner. I didn't make it to the post office. No, I didn't write my thousand words. I was going to write a thousand words. I didn't make any money, you might say. When we list all the things we didn't do, it makes us feel even worse. And when we feel worse, it can immobilize us from moving forward especially during this in-between time. I have found myself listing very small accomplishments just to get me in a better frame of mind. Number one, I walked the dog. There we go. Number two, I made dinner. Be happy. Three, I apologize for being grumpy. That's a good one. Four, I folded one load of clothes and even took them up the stairs. Tiny little steps. But here's the thing. Even a good checked off to-do list isn't what matters, according to that verse. Remember Paul's words, it's what's unseen that counts. So how do we live a life that matters in God's economy? Building into things that last forever, as Lori likes to remind me, God's word and people. So anything I do to invest in God's word, which means me reading a Bible verse, maybe even the U version verse of the day on your phone, lasts forever. Anything I do to invest in people, you texted a friend and said, hey, I know we can't get together in a restaurant, but do you want to walk or hike tomorrow? That's what God is interested in. Doesn't that make you feel better? I read in Jesus Calling, which I really kind of think was written for this time, even though it was written many years ago, for April 10th. If you have a copy of Jesus Calling, 
read that. But I'll quote this one sentence. Nothing is wasted when you walk close to Jesus. Trust me in every detail of your life. <clears throat> so this is the best answer to the question, how do we live a worthwhile life? We live it close to Jesus. John Ortberg wrote this, and it's my favorite. God relentlessly pursues us because all he's ever wanted is to be with us. God relentlessly pursues us because all he's ever wanted is to be with us. He's always coming towards you and I. We just need to give him our attention. It's almost like we need, we're pursuing other things, our to-do list or things to make us feel better as a woman or as a mother. But if we would just stop and turn around, we would see that God is pursuing us. One practical thing that's helped me give God my attention is to create what I like to call a retreat in a basket. Get a basket with handles. You can buy one off of Craigslist or off of Amazon if you can't go shopping yet. Um, put your Bible in the basket, journal, Bible study books, a pen that works. My friend Brittany has always said, oh, pens that don't work are such a waste of my life. And I thought that's a little dramatic, but she's right. If I have to get up to find a pen that works, I will get distracted in 14 different ways and forget to come back and spend time in the, in the word. That's how distractible I am. Is distractible a word? I think it is. The reason you get a basket with handles is in case you're being interrupted by your husband who's home and he's turned on the news or your children who are, are uh, in the way or in your way in a, in a sense. They're playing right in front of you and you can't think. You can pick up the basket and go to another room. I like to have Kleenex in my basket because sometimes God's word causes me to cry. A coffee cup. Um, find a, a place that you like being with the Lord. My friend Janelle has a prayer closet in a closet. <laughs> and she made it all pretty. And when you don't have that time in the word, give yourself grace. God does. God does not keep score. He doesn't say, I love Sue better today than yesterday because she spent five minutes with me. We are the ones that keep score, ladies. We say, I did this and I didn't do this. I didn't gossip, so God loves me more. Nope, he does not have that kind of a checklist. God just says, I sure love you. I gave you my son to show you how much. Here's one of my favorite verses for mothers, Isaiah 40, 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. That's us, ladies. We have young. They may not be that young anymore, but they are our young. And it says here that he gently leads those, that's us, the mothers, who have the young. He's gently leading us. What you're doing today matters to him as you follow close to him. He's your shepherd. He cares about you. And he sure cares about your lambs. Have a great day. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.